Pittsburgh Steelers fans, what's going on? This is Jeff Hartman, Senior Editor at BehindTheSteelCurtain.com with you for another episode of Let's Ride. It's a live Let's Ride podcast here on the Spotify Green Room app. Make sure that wherever you, I don't know, whatever device you use, I should say, whether it's Android, iOS, doesn't matter. You can download the Spotify Green Room app for iOS users completely free. You get the full app, all of it. For the Android user, you get the beta version. So you can still talk with me every Tuesday night. And I do record all these shows and put them in a podcast form for Wednesday. But it's just you're just missing a couple pieces of the puzzle in terms of the discussion tab and things like that. But you can still join me every single Tuesday to talk about our beloved Pittsburgh Steelers. And speaking of our beloved Pittsburgh Steelers, we know you like to read about it. You can find all the information you need about the Pittsburgh Steelers. There's no other better. There's no better place. It is literally your one-stop shop for all things Pittsburgh Steelers, and that is BehindTheSteelCurtain.com. Make sure you check it out early and often. Wherever you get your podcasts or Steelers or Behind the Steel Curtain, subscribe, follow, so you don't just get my Let's Ride podcast every Monday, Wednesday, Friday, but you also get all the other morning content or afternoon content. We are expanding our platform. We're going to have a big announcement on Thursday during the Steelers preview where we're going to debut our first show. We're going to bring on the host, talk to him about the show. It's going to be exciting. I'm excited for it. I hope you are too. There's a lot to talk about. There is a lot to talk about here today, and I want to get a couple things kind of out of the way right off the bat before we take some calls. I see people chiming in already on the Spotify Green Room app. Uh, first and foremost, I want to bring up uh, comments that I made at the very end of Monday's show about Devin Bush. Uh, Devin Bush, I talked about how, you know, it was Devin Bush being a little bit crazy is that it, that could be a good thing. You know, maybe this is the new Devin Bush. And to be completely honest with you, it was a little bit later that day. And I recorded that on Sunday for Monday. But Monday, I don't know what's going on with this guy's Twitter feed. But it is, it's a little off the deep end. It's a little off the deep end. And I'm not here to suggest that someone's Twitter or social media activity should somehow demean or lessen an impact they could have for an NFL franchise. I'm not here to do that at all. However, I do think that some things are just better left unsaid or just let go. And I don't know what's going on. Like I said, this guy is just really, really, it's changed. We'll put it that way. Really has changed for sure uh, in the way that he handles himself off the field. There's a lot of people, I wouldn't be shocked to say that, you know, it seems like it's someone else. I don't know, maybe he has a close friend that's just messing around with people, and he knows about it, he's just laughing. I don't know, but I'd love to see Devin Bush keep the edge without being a a little bit off base in terms of what he says on social media and the videos that he shares and things like that. Uh, There's been a lot of talk about Devin Bush on Twitter. There's been a lot of other talk about the Pittsburgh Steelers, the media, and things like that. I don't want to get into that too much. What I wanted to talk about and the, the main crux of this podcast, the title of this podcast for sure, was about the Pittsburgh Steelers' defense. But in particular, in particular, when I'm thinking about the Steelers' defense, I'm talking about credit. Credit being given. So here's what's weird for me. This is what's really weird for me. I don't feel like the Steelers' defense needs credit at all. I don't feel like, and this we're talking about the coaching staff here, not the players. So, if the Steelers' defense is great, they're legitimate. 
I don't think anyone out there with a brain in between their ears is going to suggest that the Steelers are not a really good defense. They have talented players. Even after losing Nelson, Dupree, Hilton, they're still going to be a good defense. It would take a massive amount of injuries to change that. However, everyone always wants to talk about, well, you know, Butler's not really calling the shots. It's, it's Tomlin. Or it's not Tomlin. It's Terrell Austin. And it drives me nuts. And I'll tell you why it drives me nuts. Based on the fact that why does it matter? I mean, seriously, why in the world does this matter to anyone? I can't figure it out. I've talked to people about it, and they all say the same thing. They're not sure either. Why does it matter if Terrell Austin is coaching the secondary, and yet Keith Butler is dealing with the front seven? Why is that a bad thing? Why is that something that is somehow a talking point? What if Mike Tomlin has his fingerprints all over this defense and just never takes credit for it? Why is that a problem? And if there's issues, what if it's all of their problems? This is what I don't understand, and I'm going to compare this to the other side of the football. I'm going to compare it to offense. There's only been one coach that I can remember that has not been a coordinator that has been giving a, a heaps of credit, and that was Mike Munchak. When Mike Munchak was the offensive line coach, We found out now, after he left, that he was the run game coordinator. And the Steelers' offense thrived. And the offensive line changed. They were very dynamic. And the guy's a Hall of Famer for a reason. He's a really good coach. Uh, But offensively, you know, what were people saying, oh, well, you know, Todd Haley, you know, they're almost averaging 30 points per game. But, you know, well, Munchak's the one that's calling the, the running plays. That's probably why. I don't understand why the Pittsburgh Steelers fan base feels the need to discredit and give credit to specific people based on results on the field. Let's go back to the defense. If the defense plays well, especially the secondary, no one wants to give credit to Butler. No one ever wants to give credit to Mike Tomlin. They'll say Terrell Austin's done a great job. Not saying he hasn't here, folks. I'm not saying that he hasn't done a great job. What I'm saying is that why does it matter? Why does it matter? That's the question that I have for people that are listening to the show, whether you're live with me right now on the Spotify Green Room app or if you're listening in your car on Wednesday. Why in the world does this all of a sudden matter to people? And it's across the board. When, it, when the Steelers or any NFL team, any professional team, even any high school team wins, the players are going to get all the credit. Coaches get none. But when they lose, it's almost completely opposite. Not always, but almost completely opposite. They want to blame the coach. Oh, Tomlin sucks. Fire Tomlin. Fire Butler. Fire. This year it'll be Fire Canada because Feetner's gone. I don't understand why there's a constant need. And I say need intentionally. Why there's a constant need for the fan base to want to say, that's the reason why. He is the reason why. Now, the reason why it could be positive or negative depends on what you're talking about. It could be positive in the fact that, yeah, Terrell Austin is the reason why the secondary doesn't stink anymore. Terrell Austin's the reason why they're drafting better in the secondary. Or it could be, you know, Keith Butler's the reason why the outside linebackers are playing better ever since Joey Porter was not, his contract was not renewed, a.k.a. he was fired. You know, that's what I don't understand. I I just don't understand that. It's always been the case since Mike Tomlin's been the head coach. And yet it's something that has always been 
circulating. But it's not always that way on the offensive side. Like I said, other than Munchak, did anyone say, well, you know, I mean, the reason why the Steelers are doing better as a receiving core is because of Ike Hilliard. No, no one says that. No one says that. I, I don't get it. I don't understand the, the constant need for some of this stuff. But I digress. You know, it's been a, about 10 minutes here since we started the show. We have some people that want to talk on the Spotify Green Room app. I want to give them an opportunity to. Hopefully they want to chime in on this and anything else they want to talk about. Let's get Nick on the line first. Uh, let's see here. Go ahead, Nick. What's up? How you doing, Jeff? I'm doing so, great. Um, it's funny because I actually – what I wanted to talk to kind of ties into this, so it works sure. out. Um, but to answer your question, I think part of the reason that um, you know Butler gets – get some heat is just because I think it has to do with the facts, the fact that we are Steelers fans, you know, and mm-hmm. we just like, we love our players, you know, and we're like, we have TJ Watt, a defensive player of the year. We have Cameron Hayward. He's a monster. We have Joe Hayden. He's amazing. We have Minka Fitzpatrick. He's amazing. So when they like lose a playoff game by like 47 points or whatever it was, it's like, man, how can you put that on the players? It's just easier to pass it off onto the coaches, you know, be like, oh, well, they must have had bad schemes or whatnot. But I, I think that's well, where it kind of Well, this is this bit. is the one thing that I don't understand, and this always comes back to a debate, and we can talk about this before you get into your other topics. I'm fine with it. Um, it, it comes back to it's kind of like a what's you know, chicken or egg, what comes first? And it is, well, do you give the players all the credit when things go right? And when things go wrong, do you not give credit to the players for not doing their job? And I've always said as a coach, because I did coach, and I spent a lot of time, it wasn't, collegiate it was high school but a varsity sport coaching is a very helpless feeling you could have the best laid game plan ever and if the players don't go out and execute what are you going to (laughs) do as a coach what are you supposed to do and so like i understand as fans we want to always stick up for the players we love the players they're the ones that go out and perform but nick in your opinion where is that delineation where is it where okay let's give the coaches credit but then let's also say to the players you didn't do your job what do you think I definitely think it's a it's a hard it's a hard line to you know walk, and I think part of it comes from when you have some defensive coordinators from around the league who seem to take you know average players or even below average players and bring them up and make them better in their defense, and then when you see them leave, um, they don't shine quite as bright, and that's I think that's because of the coaching, and I just feel like the Steelers generally have like these great stars, but you know. I mean, now, I mean, even now that I'm thinking about it, I, I mean, I also, just because I'm a homer and I, like, love every single person on the Pittsburgh Steelers, so um, mm-hmm. I think they're all great, but I think that's what it is. You'd rather just believe in the players because the coaching, you don't, you don't, you don't root for the defensive coordinator every week, you know? You're not like, <laughs> oh, good play, Butler. <laughs> no, I get it, but it, it's, there's nothing wrong with I guess maybe this is the point I'm trying to make. There's nothing wrong with saying, wow, like an offensive coordinator, what a call. What a call on a certain third and three or third and one, fourth and one, whatever. And there's nothing wrong with this saying what a blitz call by Keith Butler to send the cornerback there. Like they sent Joe Hayden, the outside corner on a blitz, and he got home. And it, what a play. Like I don't feel like there's anything wrong with that, but you're right. Let's move on. You want to talk about something else. What else is on your mind, Nick? So the thing I was actually going to talk about was the defense um, kind of changing things up. Um, and, and part of, Part of what I was thinking about was, you know, everyone kept talking about how the offense got so repetitive that people knew it was coming. And I almost wonder if, 
you know, part of that Browns game, I mean, obviously it was a whole debacle, but part of it was there had been so much film, you know, and, and they had a lot more to study from. So maybe they kind of knew what our defense was going to be looking at. And then that kind of made me think of this one quote I heard last year, which I feel like never fully came to fruition, which was they kept talking about how they wanted to use Minka Fitzpatrick in different ways so that he could make those big impact plays he made his first year in Pittsburgh. And I was kind of thinking, you know, I mean, it sucks he doesn't get targeted because he's so good, but I wonder if there's ways that they could use him to, you know, fake out an offense or, you know, do something like, you know, some trickery or, you know, disguise something to kind of get him back into that huge playmaking um, role he was in. Not that he wasn't in it last year, but definitely in 2019 he was crazy, you know. But 2019, everything was fresh. Like you said, no one knew what to expect with Minka Fitzpatrick coming from Miami to Pittsburgh. And he was dominant, and he was dynamic, and he was disruptive. And those are really good characteristic traits in a safety. I think what people need to remember, and yes, you're right. They did say that last season they want to put him in that joker role, if you want to call it that. Uh, I've heard people use other terms for that player that's going to move around the defense. That's really not his position. He does not play the safety spot that Troy Palomalu played. And that's what everyone wants to compare him to. The best safety since Troy. No, actually, he's in Ryan Clark's spot. And it's a situation where if you're going to get him involved and move him around, I'm not sure how that would work based on the fact that they would have to have someone else covering center field for them to do that. Last season, believe it or not, in my opinion, was the season to do it. Why? Cam Sutton could do that. Cam Sutton could play safety. He knows the position. He knew every position in the secondary, and he could also play a really good center field. And they just never did it. And so Minka Fitzpatrick now, and you saw this towards the tail end of the season, he's getting frustrated. The, the offense is literally pointing him out and saying, we are not going to throw it to that side of the field. Why? We're not going to risk it. And so he took some gambles. You could see it on film if you watch the film. It wasn't, you know, you don't have to be a, a, a coach that's coached for decades to see that he was taking some risks, and it's a risk-reward a lot of times at safety. If Mega Fitzpatrick is smart, he watches film of Ed Reed. And I hate to say that because I hate the Ravens and everything about him, but Ed Reed was that type of safety. He was the center fielder that would trick quarterbacks into making throws, and that's, in my opinion, what they should do. And Mega Fitzpatrick has been the one who has been saying this all offseason, if it isn't broken, don't fix it. And so I'm just warning you now, Nick, you might not want to expect much different this year from the way they're using their safety. Do you agree with that Ed Reed stuff? I do, yes. Uh, you know, he's I I agree that he's a very different player than Troy Palomalu. I don't I don't he's not really a hitter, um, like Troy was. He no. seems a little more just kind of a finesse player, but he's a hell of a finesse player, so Absolutely. All right, Nick, thank you for chiming in. I appreciate it as always. If anyone else wants to chime in on the Spotify Green Room app, just put in a speaker request. I would be glad to talk to you about anything Pittsburgh Steelers related. Could be about rumor mill stuff, could be about potential picking up uh, players as the season progresses, but we're at the midway point. If you're listening on our audio side on Wednesday or maybe later in the week, uh, stay tuned. We'll be right back after this advertisement. If you're listening live on the Spotify Green Room app, stay tuned. We're not going to go anywhere. We'll be right back.
All right, Pittsburgh Steelers fans, welcome back to the second segment of Let's Ride. I'm your host, Jeff Hartman, Senior Editor of BehindTheSteelCurtain.com. And this is a part of the Monday, Wednesday, Friday Let's Ride podcast. We are live on the Spotify Greenroom app, which is completely free for iOS users and for Android users. Download the app, create a free account, follow me. It's the same handle as my Twitter handle, at jhartman, H-A-R-T-M-A-N underscore P-I-T. If you're looking for the show when we go live every Tuesday, just look for Let's Ride. Uh, You will find me there, uh, part of the NFL community. So make sure you check it out if you haven't yet. It's been a great opportunity to talk with some of my followers, uh, some of my ride-or-die crew, as I like to call them, those very, very loyal fans. If you want to speak to me on the Spotify Green Room app, please put a speaker request in. Otherwise, we are going to dive into the Twitter mailbag. Again, you can follow me on Twitter at jhartman, H-A-R-T-M-A-N underscore P-I-T. Every Tuesday, I put out a tweet saying, hey, for my ride-or-die crew, who's got questions for me? Fire away, and as always, they never disappoint. Jeremy Betts says, who are the Jenga? He's talking about the old school wooden board game where you have to pull the Jenga pieces out. Who are the Jenga pieces, meaning the players the team can't succeed without in 2021? One on offense and one on defense. Good question, Jeremy. I guess another way of saying this is who are the linchpins? Who are the the key cogs of the offense and defense? So I think on offense, you know, it used to always be the same answer. It would always just be Ben Roethlisberger. And I, I would probably say that it still would be that, but I'm, gonna, I'm not going to give you the, ben, the Benjamin Todd Roethlisberger answer. I think that's just, that's just kind of copping out. For me, when I think about it, if I'm not going to use number seven as the answer for an offense, I, here's one that's going to be a little bit out there, but I'm still going to believe. I think it's Najee Harris. I think it's Najee Harris. I think the Steelers are putting all of their eggs in his basket. And when you look at if he's not available – who in the heck do they have? I mean, Benny Snell, Anthony McFarland, uh, Kalen Callen Ballage, however you say his name. Do you have um, I, I, Jalen Samuels? Yeah, not good. And for a team that can't run the ball, you lose your premier back, and that's an issue. So that's where I'm going to go on offense. On defense, holy cow, there is a lot. There's a lot of players that could be that Jenga piece, as you put it. Uh, for me... I'm going to go with a player we just talked about before the break, and that would be Minka Fitzpatrick. T.J. Watt's great, and the depth behind him is a big-time issue. But I do believe that if T.J. Watt were to go down, the Steelers would somehow make a trade or something like that to get a player that could come in and rush the passer. Uh, but I just think Minka Fitzpatrick, you want to talk about outside linebacker depth being an issue, safety is almost just as bad. Miles Killebrew, who everyone thought was a safety, he's listed as a linebacker, folks. Uh, so I'm not sure what they would do if that were to happen. But those are the two that I have. Minka Fitzpatrick on defense, Najee Harris on offense. It might not be who most people will think of, but that's who I'm going with. All right, let's get another speaker here on our Spotify Green Room app. Let's go with Logan. What's up, Logan? What's up? How's I had it going? a question How are you? for you. Go I'm for doing it. Good. Um, I wanted to talk about the run game. Sure. Well, not, um, particularly, do you think at the end of the season, Najee Harris will be the – star of the offense instead of Ben Roethlisberger as his age keep goes up, keeps going up? Well, let me ask you this question. When you say star, do you just mean focal point? Like he is the straw that stirs the drink, so to speak? Yeah, like how Saquon is with the Giants. Okay. Daniel Jones isn't the star of the offense. I will say this. I hope that Najee Harris is that guy. I hope that he is. Uh, based on the fact that if he is that guy, then that takes a massive amount of pressure 
off of Ben Roethlisberger. And I wrote an article. I don't know if, if you read the site, Logan, or if you just listen to our podcast, but I, we've been doing this 30 scenarios in 30 days. And Dave Schofield, the editor uh, for the site, he and I have been going just back and forth. He does one day, I do the other day. And I did an article about how will Ben Roethlisberger be able to keep his attempts under 600? And I looked up how many years, and he's going into year 18, so in his 17 prior years, when he played in 15 games or more, did he have less than 600 attempts? Now, early in his career, it was often because he, they just didn't, they didn't throw the ball that much. But towards the, late, the latter, I don't know, decade of his career, boy, they've thrown the ball a ton. If they could get back, if they could get back to running the ball, being a running team, and I think the offensive line sets up perfectly for this, I think they're going to be tough to beat, Logan, to be completely honest. If they can run the ball, control the clock, with that defense being rested, I hope. And I don't think that, to me, I'll ask you this question in a second here, Logan. To me, if Najee Harris is the focal point, that doesn't mean that Ben Roethlisberger is playing badly. It just means that the Steelers' identity is changing. Do you agree with that? Uh, yeah, I agree. I just did that average, and that's 35 pass attempts per – is that pass attempts or completions? Uh, just oh, attempts. Just attempts. And 35 is about what he had every game when they're on that massive win streak, and it got even higher when they started losing, especially in the playoffs. Yep. So, yeah, I think Najee Harris should be the focal point in the offense, and it'll make it better, especially when I can recall Dallas right now. They got It was second and one. They ran it three times didn't get the first down. They got stopped on fourth and one. Like, that just cannot happen in the NFL. No. And I think that this offensive line, like I said, and everyone's forgetting this. They want to bash the offensive line. They want to bash the offense. Yet, we have not seen this offensive line together. We have not seen what Matt Canada's offenses look like in the National Football League. There's a lot of question marks there. But if Najee Harris is the focal point, I think they're on pace. And statistics show. When Ben Roethlisberger, I, I want to say it's he throws the ball less than 30 times, the Steelers' win percentage is markedly better than when he throws it over 30 times. So think about that. I, I hope that I made sense there, Logan. Thank you for chiming in. I appreciate it as always. Uh, I appreciate all the, the people that are listening. If you want to listen or if you want to talk, put in a speaker request on the Spotify Green Room app. I'd love to talk to you. And here we go. Let's get another one on here. Will. Let's get Will on here. Will, what's up? I was thinking about Najee Harris as well. I was super excited when we drafted him because my favorite Pittsburgh Steeler of all time is the bus. There you go. Um, as far as you think, Ben will take a page out of John Elway. Elway at the I end have. of his career because um, if Najee Harris becomes the focal point that we want to, John Elway, I know, relied on Terrell Davis. you think mm-hmm. Ben would be able to humble himself a little bit and be able to do that? Well, gosh, I hope so. And that's been the, I mean, it lets, you can look at John Elway. You could look at Peyton Manning at the end of his career. They all did it. They all said, I'm willing to take a quote-unquote backseat in the offense for us to succeed. It's not about me. It's about winning. And they understood, I think, Manning after his neck surgery, Elway just after a long career and, and his arm is not the same, they realized that their best way to win is for them to run the football and to control the clock. If Ben Roethlisberger is smart, and I, honestly, Will, like, I don't understand how Ben could not be on board with anything that's about to happen. Based on the fact that Roethlisberger knew Canada prior to, because obviously he was the quarterback's coach in 2020, 
he had to be questioned about it before they brought Canada on. And Canada also had to know that Ben was going to be potentially returning. I don't. If, if someone was in the dark with this decision, then then shame on the organization because they're, they're setting them up for failure. I don't feel like that happened. I guarantee there were conversations on both ends about, hey, this is how we're going to run this thing. Are you on board with this? I hope, I hope, I hope that Roethlisberger is on board because if he is, and Najee Harris, and again, it comes down to the offensive line, Will. Can they block? Can they run block? Can they open up holes? Do you think, let me ask you this, Will, before I let you go. Do you think Najee Harris is the type of back that can, can create without needing massive holes? Everyone always points to when they talk about Najee Harris. Well, he basically played it behind an NFL line in Alabama against subpar competition. You think Najee Harris is a transcendent back that it doesn't matter, he's going to make plays no matter what? I do think he is. I'm I'm in Tennessee and I'm in SEC country and Georgia Bulldog fan and we saw plenty of him tearing us up. So <laughs> I, 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 would, I would I agree with that. Um, All right. Another another sure, thing, sure. if you don't Go mind, ahead. I was listening yep. to your your rant on Monday talking about defense and someone stepping up as far as with um, Devin Bush doing a lot of smack talking. If we look at our previous, I guess, Super Bowl-type teams, there's always, at least in my lifetime, always been kind of a nasty-type player, whether it's James Harrison, whether it's Shelly Porter, or if we look in the 90s with Greg Lloyd. Which of those three do you think was the most fierce or nastiest to deal with, and who do you think on the Steelers this year can be that player? Out of those three, so you said Lloyd... Harrison or Porter, yeah. which is the, the, those who, which was the nastiest. Um, yeah. I, I think it was Debo by far. Uh, James Harrison was feared. Not, and he was also a defensive player of the year, which is noteworthy. He holds the team record in sacks, even though I think Watt's going to break that if he stays healthy. Uh, he was a player that you could see, and he caused a, People don't think about how many false starts he caused because he was just so dominant in his prime back in like 2008, uh, 2007, and early 2000s. Uh, just tremendous. That's who I would pick. And this year, I would love to see a little bit more edge from TJ Watt, but I think it's going to have to be, I would love to see Devin Bush and Vince Williams together be that tandem. Inside, just really wreaking havoc, running downhill, just knocking the snot out of people. That would be tremendous. Uh, but Will, thanks for the trip down memory lane there. Those are some great players that you bring up and talking about Porter and all those great pass rushers that the Steelers have had, even if you want to go back to the nastiness that was the 70s Steelers with Mean Joe Green and, and Jack Lambert. And trust me, they had no, they did not lack edge back in the 1970s, that's for sure. If anyone wants to chime in in the Spotify Green Room app, just put in a speaker request. Be glad to talk to you. In the meantime, we're going to head over to the Twitter mailbag. Brian Haynes says, after listening to your show Monday, I was curious. What are your realistic expectations from our line? I want to stop there because in case you're listening and you didn't listen to Monday's show, a lot of you had the day off. I get it. I still did a show nonetheless. And it was all about the offensive line. I compared the current or projected Steelers 2021 offensive line to that of past Super Bowl Steelers lines and found out that, you know, I think this there should be some hope among Steelers faithful for this offensive line coming up in 2021. So he continues, what are your realistic expectations from our line? Sacks allowed, rushing yards, and do you think they'll be an asset or hindrance by the end of the season? Then he uses hashtag Ride or Die Crew. Thank you, Brian, longtime listener, very loyal, very loyal fan. So in terms of sacks allowed, I could see that number going up. I, I don't think this offense 
But this offensive line in particular is going to be the type of offensive line that is going to be as good from a pass-blocking standpoint. But also, let's not kid ourselves. I don't think that last season's offensive line was as great as everyone thought it was. When Roethlisberger's getting rid of the ball in two-point-whatever seconds, no one has a chance to get home. And so, of course, they weren't giving up sacks. But were they successful? And the answer is no. They weren't successful. By the end of the season, everyone was struggling. So if the sacks go up, but yet they're more successful, I'll take that exchange. You just hope that Roethlisberger doesn't get hit so hard that he gets injured. In terms of rushing yards, I think they'll be close. I projected Najee Harris to have 900-plus yards on the ground. I do not. I did not project him to have 1,000 yards. I had him at just under 1,000, but with about 300 yards receiving. So he would definitely be over the 1,000-yard plateau from a total yard standpoint, but not from rushing. I don't think this offensive line could be a hindrance as long as they can run the football. If they have to rely on the pass, that could get ugly but I think that they're going to get better as the year progresses. And I think a lot of it hinges on like the health of Trey Turner. And so we'll, we will have to see, we'll have to see exactly how that goes. All right, let's get uh, to your Logan wants to talk again. Let's get Logan back on. Hey, what's up, Logan? Hey, I just wanted to talk a little bit about defense since I already talked about offense. Sure. I saw that ESPN released a list of their top edge rushers and they had Miles Garrett, number one, TJ Watt, number two. I wanted to get your feelings on that. Yeah, I wrote that article for the site today. Um, everyone seems to be on the Browns bandwagon right now. Everyone. Wants, that's like the sexy pick. And it happens every offseason. There's always a team that I remember as the 49ers a couple years ago. It's the Browns this year. Um, it's been the Ravens a lot in the Lamar Jackson era. And so I think that right now people just think that the Browns are kind of moving the needle uh, from that perspective. But I did think, personally, that the analysis in the article provided by ESPN, and you can check this out at BehindTheSteelCurtain.com. It's right on the webpage. If you were checking this, listening to this podcast on Wednesday, uh, it's just you got to scroll down a little bit and you'll find it. The analysis was spot on. TJ Watt is not, he's not some crazy gifted athlete. He's average size, average build, but he just has a motor that doesn't stop. He's a technician. Miles Garrett looks like he was made in a lab. I think that is exactly how they put it. And ultimately, fans want to get upset uh, at these rankings. Who cares? You know, at the end of the day, if, if TJ Watt sacks Baker Mayfield four times in a game and Miles Garrett never gets to Ben Roethlisberger, then Miles Garrett can have the number one ranking all the time. And I'll take TJ Watt. But um, yeah, it, there's a lot of fans that want to get kind of upset over that stuff. I don't, I don't pay too much attention. I'll write it. I'll write it for the website, but I don't pay too much attention. Do you agree or disagree with the article? Um, I have to disagree because at least the past two years since TJ Watt's been in his MVP, uh, sorry, not MVP, defense player of the year form, he's by far a better stats than Miles Garrett. And until Miles Garrett can prove him wrong, I don't see that you can put him uh, ahead of TJ Watt or anybody at that point. Yeah. No, it's a good point, Logan. Thanks for chiming in. I appreciate it. But, yeah, it's definitely uh, a situation. Well, I'm, I'm sorry. I just I just lost it there. Okay, we're back. I'm sorry. <laughs> it's definitely a situation. I'm trying to do a bunch of stuff at once. Uh, it's definitely a situation where it's going to be difficult for the Steelers. And you look at two defensive players, pairing them up together, you know, saying, like, okay, who's better? It's tough. It's not a tackle versus a pass rusher. But, nonetheless, it's good offseason fodder. Let's go back into the Twitter mailbag. Lori 
says, how would you rank the defenses in the AFC North? And you should use this hashtag ride or die crew. Well, first, I'll obviously use uh, put the Steelers number one because I think the Steelers do have the best defense in the division. I will put the Baltimore Ravens number two. I will put the Cleveland Browns number three, and I will put the Cincinnati Bengals four, although I do think the Bengals defense is getting better. I still don't think they're anywhere near the three previous defenses that I mentioned. Ryan Matthews, uh, he, Ryan Matthew uh, says, going into the bye week, what record would make you worry for the team? I'd still hold it two and four. If the Steelers are two and four, when you look at their schedule leading up to the bye, I think that's where you're kind of worried about pushing the panic button a little bit. Uh, you would definitely hope they would not have a losing record going into the bye week. Bye week. Paul asks, would you go over or under two players signed for the rest of the offseason? And he uses hashtag ride or die crew. Thank you very much, Paul, for the question. I'm going to say two players signed. I will say under. I think they are going to sign one more player. Don't ask me who. I'm not going to be able to predict that. <laughs> but still, I think they'll sign one more player. And I think they might pick up a player after training camp. You know when cutdowns happen and a lot of players become available. That's what I think. Okay, uh, and the last question here from David. He says, have you had any interactions with Mark Madden? Uh, and this was obviously a, a huge talking point on Twitter if you follow a lot of people. And he said, and why does he act like he is the gold standard of Pittsburgh media, like Hillgrove, Cope, or Tunch, and acts like everyone is beneath him? Honestly, I have not had any interaction with Mark Madden. Um, I do know that he and Michael Beck had a lot of interactions recently. That's neither here nor there. That's up to them. They are grown adults. Uh, I just do my thing. You know, I'm a 38-year-old man. I'm a father of five. I work two jobs. This is my second job, not my primary job. I don't have time for Twitter beefs. And so uh, I have not had any interaction with him. I, I I don't know what to say <laughs> to that, but that's all I can say. That's all I can add to that. So, okay, everyone that joined me on the Spotify Green Room app, I thank you very much. I appreciate all the people that take the time to listen to my podcast, whether it's live on Tuesdays or whether it's in the audio form on Monday, Wednesday, or Friday. I appreciate every single one of you. On Friday, we're going to be back. We're going to have a special guest in the second half of the show, so make sure you check that out. And as always, as we always finish our show here, Make sure you check out BehindTheSealCurtain.com. It should be your one-stop shop for all things Pittsburgh Steelers. Be safe, be kind, and God bless. Have a great day, everyone. We'll see you on Friday.